When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. My name is Al Lunsford, digital editor at Lynx, here today as we always are with Joe Passoff. Joe, your number one Thanksgiving food that you ate this year. Let's hear it. Oh, wow, Al. Where do I begin? <laughs> um, you know, it's got to be a tie between the stuffing that comes out of the turkey. Uh, my wife goes very traditional with it. I don't like any changes from year to year to year. Um, and then the pumpkin pie was absolutely superior. So um, still feasting several days later on it. I would have to go with, uh, you know, a controversial Thanksgiving topic is turkey or uh, or other meat and i actually had a really good my mother-in-law made a very good ham this year so it was uh going back for seconds of that among other things uh i'm i'm hurting because my deviled egg recipe this year was not up to par uh, i was a little runny on the deviled eggs so it's a it's a sore subject for me i'm gonna have to bounce back next year the next time i make them but uh there is always next year for that, but I digress. Today, we're going to talk about, uh, as you think about in the chillier months, places to go, uh, your next golf vacation, where might that be? Uh, we've got two states that are known for that uh, on the docket for you today, and we're going to break down a little bit of the reasons why you should go to each. Uh, so we've pitted two of the most golf-rich states in the country together today against one another, uh, and that's Florida and Arizona. I think we're just going to take one and kind of talk about uh, the merits of it, then move on to the next. That sound good to you, Joe? Sounds good from here in Arizona. Well, how about Arizona? Let's let's start with out west with, with Arizona and that's Joe's home state, so I know he knows plenty about Arizona. I've taken a, several trips out there myself, so I'll have a little bit to contribute as well. But Joe, maybe just overarching, what makes Arizona such a great golf state? Well, for starters, Al, uh, there are a lot of fantastic public access courses. Um, because our state developed so late, really, compared to almost all the other states in the union, um, you know, there just weren't a lot of private clubs that came up. Um, added some in the last 40 years. But for the most part, when the golf boom of the 1980s into the 1990s hit, uh, the great majority of golf courses that were being built were public access, connected to resorts uh, or standalones. And what's also great about those public access courses 
is that they are typically so distinctive with some elevation change and lined with cactus, those great looking saguaro cactus with their arms sticking up and out, mountains in the background. And you don't get that look anywhere else. That's both kind of the Phoenix Scottsdale scene and also Tucson. So even if you compare it to other deserts like Las Vegas or Palm Springs, uh, you don't get that same look. And that's one of the things you come to Arizona for or is that unique, distinctive aspect to the Gulf. You've got basically green ribbons of fairway, very striking, that go through the brown natural color of the desert. That is one of the things I think when you're talking about the comparison of these two places in particular that stands out for Arizona uh, as a point in their favor is the amount of variety that you get amongst the number of courses that are there. I think a lot of people, when they think about Florida, they think, you know, every course is kind of similar, uh, pretty flat. Uh, you're going to be dealing with lakes and water in different areas. Arizona, you get a little bit more uh, elevation change. Uh, you work around different terrain. and But everyone knows that stark contrast of fairway green grass and brown desert scape. Yeah. And I think people love to have the mountains in the background too. Um, I, I don't know what that phenomenon is about kind of being cocooned, so to speak. And uh, some courses it's more pronounced than others. And we'll start getting into specifics, but it's a very appealing combination. Uh, even if it, as it's different, you know, recoveries on desert courses as we'll get into, are very different than anywhere else. But just having those mountains as a backdrop, when they're close by, it can be, uh, you know, really a, a pleasant distraction. Sometimes it's hard to club yourself correctly because there's optical illusions happening, but it's really great to see a golf ball go up in the air and have that mountain be in the background. Joe, I know this is a topic that you've, in the past, had dug up an old piece of yours I think you'd done for golf.com at one point ranking the 50 states for their golfiness as you put it uh, and there are multiple factors that go into that and the one I found Arizona and Florida were one and two when you think about this conversation you have a number of different factors that go into a decision like that so what do you what do you putting into uh, the discussion that will make a point to have one of these states appear at the top of a, a list of, of all 50 states, but even for these two in particular? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of them is, Al, uh, again, golf culture, you know, is do people speak the language here? You're going to come out and it's not going to be competing against 87 different things and you know as, as with many states recreation options i mean golf is a serious economic driver as an engine in both arizona and florida um, you go to pockets of golf like scottsdale or palm beach in the palm beaches in florida jacksonville area in florida and golf is dominant um, in many ways so you go into a restaurant you go into a and you see all the logo shirts and sweaters and caps and so forth. 
So, you know, that's a fun aspect about either state when you're talking about golf. You know, for other things, when you decide to take a golf trip and a, and a golf vacation, you know, all right, this time of year, you're looking for the best weather you can find. And you're going to get it pretty much in the United States, uh, at least in the lower 48, in either Arizona or Florida. They both kind of have pluses and minuses attached to them, but it's the best you're going to find, you know, short of flying to Hawaii. After that, it's kind of what do you want in your golf trip? If you're a trophy course collector, um, there's just about an equal number of top 100 types in Florida and in Arizona, although a significant nod to Florida, especially as a tournament venue, um, you know, with TPC Sawgrass, for instance, and, uh, and and some of the other great, great stops like Bay Hill, Arnold Palmer's Bay Hill, PGA Nationals Champion Course. And then for architecture buffs, are you looking at that? Um uh, I, I got to give the edge uh, amazingly to Florida just on the basis of stream song uh, and, and TPC sawgrass. So again, what are you looking for? If it's for all around value, you're going to find it in both places. If it's, I want to walk in famous footsteps. You've got that in both places, a little more in Florida, but um, whatever it is that you're looking to find, that's why we're recommending both these places that looks so very different. There is a reason that people flock to these places from both a trip and vacation standpoint to living full time for parts of the year. Florida and Arizona are, are both, I think, considered snowbird states where a lot of people will have second homes and spend a lot of their cold winters escaping uh, to both of these places. Now, you mentioned Arizona could be a place where you could cross off uh, both courses with prestigious histories uh, or just general top 100 courses you anyone can play. Uh, could you talk a bit, little bit about some of those places in Arizona in particular? Yeah, so for Arizona, Al, uh, there's, there's not much <laughs> classic golden age golf out here uh, there's virtually none uh, and certainly really nothing you can play uh, that goes back that conjures up greatness uh, from that era so you look at the modern era you have to start with the tpc scottsdale the stadium course at tpc scottsdale uh, it's not even ranked as high as a few of the others in the must play category for Arizona trophy courses, but it's kind of where you have to start if you're crossing off bucket list items because everybody watches the Phoenix open the now called the WM Phoenix open on television. And surprisingly the architecture is underrated on this golf course designed of course by Tom Weisskopf and Jay Morish back in 1986 and started hosting the tournament in 1987. Um, you got beautiful mountain views on the holes that play to the east, especially on the back nine. Um, and then in addition, contrived as they are, because it was an absolute blank tabletop of desert, uh, the architects did greatness on that back nine 
especially with that finishing stretch. An Island Green par 5, 15th. Um, 16, yep. It's not a terribly architecturally distinguished hole, the par 3 of 161 yards. Kind of a little bit of a propped up green surrounded by a few bunkers and some steep fall-offs. But it's crazy. You absolutely have to play this golf hole because it's the best attended golf hole on the planet Earth. And the beer cans and the crazies and the jerseys and everything else. But then you get to 17, a drivable par four with water just to the left of the green and behind. A crazy shape green with a little finger jutting out at the back, which is an amazing place for a hole location. And to have to choose how to lay up off that tee or go for it, but be just short or go for the green and see where you wind up. Uh, many say it's as every bit as good as Riviera's 10th as a drivable par four with options on the PGA Tour. So that's where you start. The good thing I think about Scottsdale in particular and where, again, that location gets a point up in my book is the concentration of really good golf in that one general area. Florida's good about that and having pockets of, you mentioned Jacksonville, you go down to uh, like the Boca and Miami area. There's a good pocket of golf down there. Uh, Orlando certainly has plenty of good golf. Um, but as far as total package, I don't know that it get much, gets much better anywhere in the country than Scottsdale or that particular golf trip you're looking for, where you're going to cross PGA tour venue. You're going to cross top 100 public. You can play all on off your list and in a general area uh, where you're not going to have to drive hours upon end to really get to too many of these places. Florida's great about that. I just don't think it, in terms of a singular city or singular, you know, metropolitan area. I, I think Scottsdale is kind of the heavyweight there. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a great observation, Al. Uh, you know, in that part of North Scottsdale, for instance, there's basically within a 10 mile radius. I mean, just 10 miles, 10 trophy courses. Um, that's pretty impressive to come by. So aside from the TPC Scottsdale, um, which also has another nice course that was redone about 15 years ago called the Champions, you have some of the best desert golf anywhere in True North. Uh, and there are two courses at True North, Pinnacle and Monument, both Tom Weisskopf, Jay Moorish, and both fabulous. I mean, really challenging, gorgeous because you have the mountain backdrops, but you also have these huge rock outcroppings and kind of desert washes, we call arroyos, that slash through some of the gulf. Uh, elevation change, it, it, they're terrific. And that's true north. That's TPC Scottsdale. Another few miles, you have the boulders. As I say, if Fred Flintstone were around, that's where he would be a member of. Um, north and south courses at the boulders, and there's a stretch on the Boulder South that's, is, again, as unique as you can possibly come. Tee boxes and greens basically perched within these 
prehistoric, massive rocks. Uh, just amazing to play. You have two more courses with some of the best vibe around at Greyhawk. Again, within this 10-mile radius. And the Greyhawk has Talon, which has been a top 100 you can play. Has Raptor, which is the tournament course by Tom Fazio that hosts the NCA championship the past two years and will again this year. Many pro tournaments have been held there. Great, great finishing hole. Um, and, and again, all the stuff that goes with it, the service, the conditioning, the, the 19th hole, Phil's grill named for old Phil Mickelson. Um, and then a little further east, you have Weekapaw which are as special as desert golf gets because they're built on tribal land. There are no homes or roads that get in the way out at Weekapaw. So you have a Scott Miller design, the Choya course and Bill Coor and Ben Crenshaw on the Saguaro course, fantastic contouring, terrific up and down elevation change, thought provoking holes that are also gorgeous. You know, it's kind of the desert golf experience of your dreams because there's nothing to get in the way, just grass, interesting design, mountains, desert. And, um, you know, there you go. I mean, there's 10 golf courses right there and uh, I wouldn't miss any of them. And I know you could keep going too. So that, that just speaks to the volume there in Scottsdale. Thinking about other pockets of golf. A lot of our listeners probably have done Scottsdale as a golf trip. If you're going to go to Arizona and play golf, where else do you look to? Well, the northern Arizona tier uh, is interesting because it's at such high elevation. It's not good. It's not good for winter golf. But the most underrated golf destination, uh, maybe in the country, is Tucson, Arizona. Because very few people talk about Tucson golf, but... It's spectacular in its own right. Uh, it suffers by comparison from Phoenix, Scottsdale, understandably so. But they have golf courses there, such as Ventana Canyon, with two terrific Tom Fazio designs. You have uh, a Weston with the La Paloma. You stay at the Weston, you can play 27 Jack Nicholas holes. You have Dove Mountain where the Ritz-Carlton is, and uh, the pros played their match play there on 27 Jack Nicholas holes. Uh, you have the Omni Tucson National, site of pro PGA Tour events since the late 60s. And the senior tour, known as the PGA Tour champions these days, plays there every year. Um, what I recommend about all these, Tucson National is a little more classic Parkland, Back in the day, that's how we liked our courses designed. The others are desert target golf with all those cactus around. But what's cool about Tucson golf is the mountains are bigger than they are in Phoenix. They are in your face, and it's just incredible to have them in the background, especially as you launch a ball skyward. So plug there for Tucson if you've done Phoenix Scottsdale a few times. When you talk about the great weather in Arizona. Uh, it, it is certainly great most of the year. Are there certain times of year that 
things can be a little bit more difficult where someone who's considering a trip may want to, you know, lean towards a certain time frame versus another? Well, you know, one of the issues in Arizona, uh, because it actually gets cold at night, it's the desert. So for December, January, February, March, um, there's always the threat or specter, I should say, of a frost delay. And in December and January, when you don't have you know, a lot of daylight to begin with, um, that can be a little frustrating. And so that 8 a.m. tea time you thought would work uh, sometimes doesn't come around until 9.30 or 10. Uh, in addition, those early morning tea times can be really chilly. So you do the little pocket hand warmer, you wear your cart mitts, uh, whatever you choose to do, and and then it warms up and you peel off two layers and it's a great feeling. But by the same token, in those months, you don't want to start off teeing off again at 1230 or one and run out of daylight. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of a, a guessing game at times uh, in those months. By March, you're great and it's it's not too much of a problem. Summertime, Phoenix, Scottsdale, even Tucson, yeah, it's it's a little too hot for many to play. But if you get out at 6.30 in the morning, 7, 7.30 in the morning, um, you'll be okay. And finally, if you come in May, it's the most underrated month to come out here. Because even though it's 100 degrees during the day, the humidity is only about 8 or 10%. So... Uh, it's really like playing at 85 degrees uh, with that combination. So a big vote for, you know, May. October is perfect weather, but you've got to watch the late September into October overseeding schedule, which can take away from uh, a tea time at your favorite course. And again, everyone knows the term dry heat when you think about Arizona. It's it's not going to be the, the punishing uh, wading through the thick, air like you do in florida sometimes particularly in the summer months in florida that's a little bit more manageable there in arizona uh you're not sweating through shirts or anything like that uh it'll be hot but um i think that it's definitely something you can deal with if that's the time of year you're going to arizona anything else you want to cover that i didn't talk about uh, as far as arizona before we move uh, across to the East Coast. Yeah, I think there's some fun hidden gems in in Arizona that are so distinctive. They don't really have co- counterparts in Florida. You know, there, there are a couple of munis and, and public access courses such as Papago uh, that is now the home of the Arizona State University teams. Um, you have Gold Canyon uh, out kind of by its lonesome with stunning mountain views. And you even have a par three course like Mountain Shadows uh, that plays uh, literally in the shadows of Camelback Mountain. Um, all par threes, really fun. Forrest Richardson uh, did that one over. And, um, and and so if you're just looking for a little golf fix without having to go, you know, six, seven, ten trophy courses, they're available for you here. And um, yeah, I mean, January, February, March. April, you'll see a little bit of rain, um, but really the rain chances are only about 10%. So even if it's a little chilly, you got a great chance of getting in that round of golf. Okay. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, the rain in Florida is a, a little harder to predict. Uh, you almost have a chance any day that you're going to tee it up uh, in Florida. But we're talking about a state that has more golf courses than any other in all 50 states. Uh, again, there are multiple places that you can land the plane, walk off, and go play very high-quality golf. Joe mentioned that there are multiple PGA Tour venues. I know you will recognize several of them. First and foremost, TPC Sawgrass, uh, but you also go down to Ennisbrook and find the Copperhead course there as a PGA Tour challenge. You've got a number of resort destinations to choose from, many of which have an element to where once you're done playing golf, you can walk out to the beach, enjoy your time in the sand, and surf and do the, the activities that off golf, I think Florida may take uh, the prize there for more many more things to do. Um, not saying that there's nothing to do in the desert. Uh, Joe, I know that there is plenty to do out there. Certain times of year, you can both go to a spring training game in either place. So that's kind of unique about both of these areas as well. Yeah, if you're a baseball fan, I mean, there's nothing like spring training baseball. But, Al, you're exactly right. Uh, there is plenty to do, especially in and around Phoenix, Scottsdale. But nothing really compares to Florida for off-course attractions from the beach to the theme parks um, and everything in between. So maybe we start for Florida, starting maybe the Jacksonville area and kind of the epicenter of the PGA Tour, uh, the course that everyone thinks about when you talk about Florida golf, TPC Sawgrass. It is one of the highest green fees you'll pay anywhere, but it's one of the unique courses this country has to offer. It's where memories are built, and that's why you justify the green fee as a one-time proposition or every year, however you do it. Uh, you know, uh, of all the golf holes that are available to the public in the United States, uh, you can make an argument for the 18th at Pebble Beach, but number one, uh, I would believe on most lists, would be the thrill of playing the Island Green Par 3 at TPC Sawgrass. The other holes are terrific and have challenged the pros for 40 years. Pete Dye just worked magic in a desolate swamp and created this incredible monument to variety and architecture on such a site. But just given the Island Green's history, its, its starkness, uh, its fear factor, that's where you start as bucket list destinations go. And there's plenty to do in Jacksonville as well. You don't have to travel too far uh, to get to a number of other resort destinations, really good public golf spots in North Florida. You've got Ponte Vedra Inn and Club right there 
in the same general area of Ponte Vedra Beach. That place is 100 years old, but has been refreshed, uh, recently renovated by Bobby Weed, one of Pete Dye's protégés, and holds its own right there on the coast. Oh, yeah, and you can stay at the inn and literally, like, walk out your back door to the beach. So very, very enticing combination there. You can kind of go down the line there. You've also got the Omni Amiga Island in the area. Uh, they opened a new short course called Little Sandy relatively recently. Uh, that, I believe, wasn't that Bo Welling who we just talked to? Sure was. So a nod to him as well. Uh, keep going down the road towards Central Florida. You'll pass the World Golf Village and go to the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, which for now is in Florida. As we know, it's going to be moving up to North Carolina. But uh, the King and Bear, the Slammer and the Squire, those are still right there uh, for you to play uh, just off the highway uh, en route to Orlando if you're heading to to Disney or any of the courses and properties there in Central Florida. Uh, some of my my favorite really good value courses are right there in Orlando. Um, I think a lot of people have heard of the Winter Park Nine uh, for a quick walking around in the middle uh, of the city. That's as good as it gets. For me, I living close by, I played a course called Dub's Dread quite a few times, which has been there a long time in Orlando. Uh, Orange County National, where they have some activities from the PGA show, and that's in town. Uh, there's that's just another thing for golfers to check off their list at some point in time, uh, buying a pass and, and walking around the trade show at the PGA show every year is a really, really cool experience. And you'll test out clubs. You, if you're looking for something new on the market. Most of the club manufacturers make their way there with their latest and greatest stuff but there's also plenty of other golf inventions anything you can possibly imagine uh that has to do with with golf uh from a product standpoint will be there uh at the convention center in orlando every year every january is usually when that goes on uh so building that into a golf trip and again something unique for sure and and orlando again it's nowhere near the ocean but it's got everything except the ocean. And, uh, you know, we can't call it an underrated golf destination, but when you examine it, I mean, Disney itself, you want to bring the family. Yeah. You will be entertained there all day long and all night every day. But as a golfer, I mean, you've got 35 years of PGA tour history at Disney world, Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods won there. So, They've redone some of the golf courses there, freshening them up for the next era. Uh, the Palm is uh, is maybe the best one there. But uh, Magnolia, of course, uh, the famous sixth hole with the Mickey Mouse ears bunker. And what else do we have in Orlando? There was no vibe in golf quite like Arnold Palmer's Bay Hill Club when the King was there. It, just knowing he was on the grounds, have a chance to to run into him, have a Arnold Palmer, maybe with a little sip of vodka in the uh, in, in the restaurant, the locker room, even 
after Arnie's gone, there's still a special feeling at Bay Hill. Not only is it PJ Tour venue, but you know, for for what it means, what it stands for, and um, the mega resorts. Um, you know, Reunion has got some great golf. Uh, Champions Gate. What uh, you know, if if you want that, it's there. Um, and uh, and then if you, I don't know, if you want the purest greens you can find, uh, that uh, Grand Lakes. A Greg Norman design where the Ritz Carlton and the Marriott have, uh, man, pure. There really is, you know, top to bottom oh. of the of the value spectrum. It's it's and, all. And let's gee, too. let's not forget my favorite thirty six, Grand Cypress. Man, I mean, this is all Orlando, and the PNC father son too, right there in Orlando, the Ritz Carlton Golf Club, to get a chance to see Tiger and his son Charlie play. I know that's coming up, so by the time you listen to this, it might be too late uh, unless you hop on the plane uh, to get down there. But that goes on there every year to a really a golf tournament that isn't quite like anything else on the schedule for a lot of these high-profile PGA Tour names playing with their father, playing with their son. Uh, in some cases, uh, Annika Swornstam's played, and uh, so you get a, a mother and and son or a different combination of family members. Uh, it's a celebration of golf and a chance to see some of the household names in the game. And get to see John Daly play and see how long his beard has grown and see what he's wearing for uh, trousers that day. <laughs> his son too. They usually match out there. We talked a little bit about the, or I mentioned it earlier, the, Variety in Florida uh, is tougher to to find and to come by, but I think in recent years that narrative's kind of changed, especially with the addition of Stream Song. Now that is most likely uh, in a golf golfers uh, a golf traveler's bucket list conversation. When you think about Florida, that's generally number one on the list. Uh, it's getting even better. It's adding a new core Crenshaw course there to go along with the core Crenshaw course on property. The red course got the Tom Doak blue course. And of course, Gil hands black course, plenty of other activities to do there in stream song. And it continues to get better with the announcement that Cabot would be redoing the world woods golf club. So close to there uh, in central Florida, uh, they're bringing on, Kyle Franz, who did great work at Mid Pines and Southern Pines in in North Carolina, uh, they're bringing him to do one course. Uh, Keith Reb and Riley Johns, who who did that Winter Park Nine that I mentioned earlier, are doing the other course. And then a guy who we mentioned a couple episodes ago, uh, Mike Nuzzo, is doing the short course there at World Woods. He of Wolf Point Ranch fame. We mentioned him among the the one-hit wonder golf course architects. He's going to be doing another new project there. Uh, and that place isn't your traditional Florida golf either. It will be interesting to see what it turns into as well, uh, adding another must-see Florida golf destination to the mix. Yeah, that's going to be really fun to monitor, Al, because World Woods... I mean, the issue with World Woods since the, it was built in the 1990s 
was basically middle of nowhere location, um, kind of equidistant, an hour and 20 minutes away from Orlando, an hour and 20 minutes away from Tampa. Two terrific Tom Fazio courses, especially the Pine Barrens, but both courses were marvelous. However, because Stream Song is so phenomenal, I think it's even become more of a bucket list destination than TPC Sawgrass for the purist, for the walking golfer who appreciates, you know, great modern architecture that harkens back to classic architecture. World Woods, the intent behind what they're doing in changing out these two courses is to become more like Stream Song in terms of architectural enticement. Come see, uh, it's built on sand, there's forest, there's dune potential, and so forth. And, and they're basically saying, we're going to turn this into, you know, something we hope is as magical as Stream Song, because the land is worthy of it. And although what Tom Fazio accomplished there was terrific, um, these are going to be different animals and um, be really curious to see how how things evolve there. But Stream Song is, uh, man, I mean, it's tough to play in the summer, uh, given the summer heat. But virtually at any time of year, um, absolutely bucket list stuff. I'm having to look because I don't I didn't recall how close those two places are it could be quite a good one-two punch for somebody uh who wants to knock them both out in a single you probably will need at least a week once the uh Cabot citrus farms the new name of world woods opens up and i'm looking now it's about so opposite sides of tampa is about two hours away from each other so you could certainly get that done uh, and hit some of Tampa in between as well. Yep, and Tampa, as you alluded to earlier, you know, terrific place. <laughs> to, it's big time sports. Um, it's it's terrific entertainment. Um, you know, wonderful Latin traditions there. And in addition, Innisbrook, we talk about the Copperhead course, which always impressed me. It looked more like something out of the Carolinas which elevation change, very unusual for Florida. You know, beautiful, tall, mature trees, um, great bunkering. It's just, you know, so solid. But there's more golf at Innisbrook, too. And uh, maybe my favorite hidden gem in the state is its sibling, the island, which is a pretty strong golf course in its own right, where Phil Mickelson captured the uh, NCAA championship there in 1990. Uh, playing for Arizona State. So Innisbrook, yeah, you could spend a whole week at Innisbrook. Um, but there's some good golf in and around Tampa, too. And then that side trip, whether you're going to Streamsong or whether you're going up to Cabot Citrus Farms, as it will be called, uh, sounds like a great week of golf. Yeah, kind of how we're doing. You can almost just work your way down the state. Uh, you get over to like the Palm Beach Gardens area at PGA National. They've had a ton of work done to improve that resort uh andy staples came in and added something spectacular to that place uh redesigning one of the courses uh into a, a shorter course with extremely intricate green concepts and uh now they've technically i guess they've added two new courses in the place of one there 
um, one called the match, a new 18 hole course and another called the staple nine hole short course there and plenty to do off the course at that resort as well. Again, keep moving even further, get down into that, that Boca and Miami region, uh, some really fine public golf in that direction. On the other side of it, you've got Naples with plenty uh, down there. We used to go to to Tiburon Golf Club where the LPGA ends their season and tour championship. Uh, a wonder prof- wonderful property with multiple golf courses and uh, the lovely Ritz-Carlton Naples there as well. Yeah, Naples is a phenomenal place to winter. Uh, again, you're, you've got coastal access. It's dominated by private clubs in residential developments. Um, however, if you find yourself anywhere near there, uh, yeah, Tiburon, frequent tournament hose, two Greg Norman courses there, pretty similar in quality. And, uh, you know, not, not a lot around there that's public access, but that in and of itself is worth the journey, especially when you have Ritz-Carlton service. But, you know, Al, I mean, touching back on the other side of the state, if you choose to do a Palm Beach vacation, I mean, it seems like a third of the PGA Tour or that other tour that's out there now, their guys live there and there's a reason they live there. Um, fantastic private clubs with practice facilities to match. Uh, the ocean access, which means soothing, cooling breezes and um, all the nightlife, all the restaurants, you know, that you want in the Palm Beaches. So, um, again, there's a reason Palm Beach has been Palm Beach for all these years, hundreds of years, really. But at least since air conditioning came around the last hundred years, big society, you know, magnet. And um, if you are in the Palm Beaches, uh, go see the Breakers, uh, one of my favorite classic hotels of all, uh, an ancient golf course right on property that's fun to play, and then a Reese Jones design that's about 15 minutes away. So, you know, it's not PGA Tour the way PGA National is, but um, nevertheless, uh, Breakers is a fun, fun stop. In terms of when to go to Florida, um, I think, again, in my experience living there, it was once you hit about March, it, it's going to be extremely hot by the middle of the day from March until about August. Uh, you're you're dealing with uh, wanting to to be one of the first off in the morning, I think, uh, to avoid some some really hot days. Uh, but again, the the weather is is kind of what you make it so it's it's manageable um by the end of your round if you're starting in the morning it's it's going to be pretty steamy um the lower you go in the state in particular uh but certainly that window of august again to march is fantastic for sure and and march in florida is still pretty delightful um temperature wise i mean it's it it's it's still doable. It's still fine. It's still upper seventies, low eighties, really. And your morning lows are so much higher than they are in Arizona that you can get started. If you don't mind a little humidity, you can get started as early as, you know, there's daylight out there for you. 
What happens in March in particular in Florida is when the strongest winds blow. So just be aware of that. Wherever you wind up in the state of Florida, uh, you know, be prepared to work on your ball flight um, because it's going to blow no matter where you are. And, um, you know, the other thing about Florida is that when you're up in the Ponte Vedra area, Jacksonville, a little more like Georgia temperatures, really, because it's right there. Um, It can be that much chillier. Whereas if you're down in Miami and you want to play the fine Doral courses or some of the others in the area, including the classic Biltmore course, a Donald Ross course where Babe Ruth once uh, strode the fairways. um, Miami is about as south as you can get in Florida. And uh, for whatever you do down there, understand, you know, it's it's going to be warm pleasantly so in january and and february and then things start to heat up from there but uh, you know it's it's hard to beat for weather uh you know when it comes to a february golf vacation so if you were looking for a definitive uh one or the other here from joe and i i, I don't think you're gonna get that but uh we hope that we've given you enough to to chew on for each place and perhaps you can fit both of them in your schedule for 2023. Well, I know I'll take care of Arizona and uh, I hope to get to back to Florida. In fact, several times because wow, as we've just discussed it, Al, there are a heck of a lot of great reasons to get to Florida to play golf, to play golf. And plenty of flights there too. That's neither of these places are lacking for uh, good value flights and lots of options from wherever you're coming from. Um, obviously it's a little bit easier to get to Florida on the East coast, vice versa for Arizona on the West. Joe, I think, I think we've pretty well covered both now, unless you have any final thoughts. I, I don't, I, I think we covered both pretty well. <laughs> Good deal. Well, let us know your favorite spots in either state. If we, if we didn't mention one that's worth mentioning, Uh, We'd certainly like to know your thoughts, Uh, but we'll continue doing this. I think we have some other ideas for comparing and contrasting uh, different sections of the country, different states, or even different places in the same state. I think we've talked about considering uh, a conversation on that too. So, you know, Al, we, we did miss one tiny little pocket of golf in Florida which is the panhandle, which is the Emerald Coast, as they call it. And, um, you know, it's easy to overlook the panhandle of Florida, northwest Florida, because northeast Florida is the home of the PGA Tour. But northwest Florida has a number of fine golf courses in their own right, uh, including a terrific facility at Sandestin. I mean, the one neat thing about northwest Florida, like like Alabama there is that sugar white sand beach, you know, Mm -hmm. that there are people that enjoy. Yeah. And that's, that's all I've got. All right. Well, Joe, thanks again for your expertise and knowledge. Uh, We'll return back with another topic next week. And until next time, this has been another episode of the Lynx Golf Podcast. Thanks for listening.